With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Good afternoon, listeners. This is Jersey Joe of Heads Up Hockey. This has been a great year so far. I can't be uh, not only just so excited, but it's uh, it's a fabulous time, especially with the holidays rolling around. It's great to make merry, and of course, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy Festivus to the listeners out there. And for those of you who have been so loyal. Thank you for supporting uh, Heads of Hockey uh, over the years, formerly known as the Jersey Joe Corner. I want to thank everyone. Uh, I started uh, rejoining uh, Pucks and Pitchforks. So it's a New Jersey Devils blog, part of Fansided. And uh, I originally started out with them um, a few years ago. Uh, maybe about 152 weeks to be exact. And there there was a lot of stuff going on I was learning at the time. And I always liked creative writing in school. I liked sports growing up. When I was at Columbia High School, I was learning more about uh, the history of the New Jersey Devils. And buddy of mine, uh, Alex Goldstein, uh, got me into the New Jersey Devils culture, and we started talking about um, players in the game, and um, I told him some of the players that I were interested in that got me to be a Devils fan. Uh, I want to reflect upon uh, Christmas past in in a hockey sense. So... Me, I have my native roots back in Massachusetts, but my mom's side's in New Jersey. Uh, my dad's side's from upstate New York. My father's family side's from Poland and Lithuania. So uh, I learned of Wojtek Volski, who played for the Colorado Avalanche and a couple other teams at the time. And... I started to follow him because he was the next closest thing to a Polish-born player uh, in the league, and I grew fond of him, and I also was very high on uh, Dinah Zubris because he is from Lithuania, my great-grandfather's from uh, Lithuania. And so is his wife. So my grandpa would always speak poetically about his family's culture and um, his family's roots. And every time he saw a Lithuanian flag, he'd always be so proud. And for me, when I got to see Dinah Zubris play 
in a doubles uniform. I always felt at home seeing him and I really felt very close to my paternal grandfather. So that made it very, very special. Now, when it comes to the upstate New York side, I was always a big fan of Brian Gianta. To me, he epitomized uh, hard work, grittiness. He had the speed of that uh, era. And definitely his leadership uh, was something that I really liked. And, of course, talking a little bit more about the Massachusetts side. So, growing up... This is a little bit before my time, but uh, Tom Fitzgerald's actually from Eastern Mass, from the greater Billerica area. And that's not too far from where my favorite would have been hockey player, but baseball player growing up in Thomas Michael Glavin, who ended up in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but was drafted by the LA Kings uh, nonetheless. So, yeah, for me, I knew... A little bit of Bill Guerin, and I know someone that uh, played or watched Team Mass. His name is Danny Bouchard, my brother-in-law, told me more about these guys. And um, I realized when my brother-in-law had a hockey shop that he started, uh, Frank Vetrano, a fellow boy from East Hawk Meadow, who's younger than me. I'm born in 89. He was, I think, born in 94, 96. And he would say, Joe, keep an eye on this kid with the Bruins. And I'm like, oh, that kid. I was interested in him. And I started writing an article. Uh, It's going to be up later today on Pucks and Pitchforks about Frank Vetrano a little bit. And You know, the doubles are short of a physical, goal-scoring, body-checking guy and Nathan Bastion for the time being with a shoulder problem. And I really would like to see the doubles go after the Anaheim Ducks a little bit because low-risk, high-reward type situation. Um, I really think the way the doubles are set up this year is that they really can do a lot of great things with what they have at the helm of the ship and in the in the center and the back of the ship. And I know this team is destined for greatness and they're going to do so many things with that talent and leadership and it's just going to be an interesting blend going forward. Now, with that being said... Um, I do have a possible sponsor uh, on the 12th. So that, I think, is Monday for this podcast. And However, for those of you who are uh, longtime listeners and the people who want to donate to here at Heads Up Hockey, you're more than welcome to donate anytime you want to help support the show. And I also enjoy... Um, Doing a little bit more analytics. And speaking of which, speaking of which, um, 
for those you did not see um, recently, I was on the Locked On Devils podcast with Trey Matthews. And if you want to learn more, um, I came up with a stat called Sasquatchalytics. Um, one of them is a uh, an offensive number. It's uh, hits, blocks, and points. So one of the things I talk about in um, scouting videos of players and players that are at the NHL level too is that it's not just goals, assists, and puck control. It's like maintaining control of the pace of the game. And what are you doing in between that? And what are you doing to be a certain player? Now, um, I'll give you an idea. So, a guy that really stands out with the hits, the blocks, and the points for a forward is Nathan Bastion. But with him out currently... That gives Bastion, who has 76, Michael McLeod at 71. 71 Sasquatch offensive points. Um, the best overall skater in Sasquatch points is Jonas Siegenthaler. So that's 78 points. So that's hits, blocks, and points. Now, if you take um, another category, Sasquatch defense. Uh, that is hits, blocks, plus takeaways, and then you minus with the giveaways, and then you get the Sasquatch D score. So the best overall Sask D scores go to Jonas Siegenthaler and Nathan Bastion yet again. Um, then it starts to drop off to third best uh, in Ryan Graves. So really, when it comes to... Um, the defensive side with puck possession it really belongs to Siegenthaler, Graves, Marino uh, Brennan Smith and yeah Dougie Hamilton does score rather well in that category and it shows you how deep the Devils are with the amount of players that they have uh, creating a lot of uh, defense and a bit of uh, separation from opposing puck carriers and it's a good thing to have because you just don't know uh, when the moment of opportunity strikes so another critique uh, I want to see more of like I mentioned about physicality um, I like Brett Ritchie, Nick Ritchie, and Adam Rizicka, along with Vetrano, as uh, potential big physical points getters that can fit the double system. So if the Devils just keep doing what they're doing, and our good friend of the show, the Brat Pack, uh, talked about the Devils playing just 500 hockey, the Devils are in the playoffs already. Uh, at that pace. Um, it would be 
a good move for the Devils to make minor moves and add those big burly guys because you're going to go up against the Western Conference teams where they're not going to play friendly. They're not going to play nice. Um, Yeah, there are some exceptions in the East where teams like uh, Philadelphia, Boston play that way. So nothing's going to be friendly or sexy in this league ever. Uh, I know the Devils are going up against one of the the bottom teams in the league tonight, but you never, ever want to fall asleep. You don't want to fall asleep to those teams. And I just take a look at the standings in the NHL, and you look at the Central, the Blackhawks <clears throat> with, tw- with 24 games played alongside the Coyotes. They played one more game than the Coyotes, but the Blackhawks are 7-13-4. Um, I've seen, you know, teams play 1-8-1 in their past 10 games, but then they start to creep up on you when you're sleeping on them a little bit. So the the goals for goals allowed for the Blackhawks, they let up 27 goals against versus goals forced. And the Devils have 93 goals forced versus 57 goals allowed. The Devils are 8-1-1. One one. Yep, they're, they're on a one-game win streak. Yes, Carolina's won four games. The uh, Penguins have won two. Other than that, the Devils have an 11-point lead. Yes, you heard it here first. 11-point lead over the Carolina Hurricanes. And they're also actually a point lead rather unless the doubles win tonight um, where they go back to 10 but right now they're nine points uh, greater than the Islanders so they are separating themselves even more and they separate themselves versus the Penguins by 11 and 12 points versus the Rangers no one's no, no one at that rate from four through six are catching them. That is going to be super hard to make up because, like I said, this, the schedule is going to get tougher, and you just don't know. The Devils do play a home game at 7 p.m. tonight versus Chicago. Then they have the Islanders at 9 on the 9th of uh, this week of December at 7 p.m. Trey Matthews will be in the house, my good buddy. Um, First time being a credential writer. Devils play at the Garden again on the 12th, and then they have a game against Dallas on Tuesday. And then they have a game on Thursday at 7 p.m. So then they have a game against Florida. And then they begin a mini away 
game series at Carolina on the 20th, Florida on the 21st. So really, um, the biggest points coming up will be in this division would be the Islanders, the Rangers, the Flyers. Then you have Carolina. So then you have the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins. But if you want to count the Eastern Conference, the Devils can take a point away from Florida or two points twice. They can steal a point or two away from Boston twice. And then you have Pittsburgh on the 30th. January is going to be interesting. You got Carolina on New Year's Day at 3 p.m. A 3 p.m. game on on a Sunday. And then I'll be off that day like I usually am on New Year's Day. So there won't be a Christmas Eve game, just to let you know. Um, You look at the 4th versus Detroit. uh, You have St. Louis at 7. The Devils can take maybe four to six points, maybe four to eight points that week. But at this point, if the doubles just keep playing 500-plus hockey, they can do anything they want. Um, The trade deadline, from what I read, is March 3rd, which is a Friday night game at, not at what, 10 p.m. at Vegas. So, that's Eastern Standard Time. So, that's 6 p.m. Uh, Western Conference Time. So, with that being said, the Devils are really well positioned to make some uh, interesting moves, but they don't need to make a big splash. Um, from what I've heard is that the Devils could trade Damon Searson, but not at this point. They're playing too well. Now, I can see the doubles giving Jesper Bratt an eight-year contract for about maybe between the Hughes and um, the Hughes and Hamilton numbers, but maybe add some bonuses. But with that being said, I'm very happy to have had some. Really good um, listeners here in the United States, throughout the Northeast, the West Coast, even in Seattle. I am very grateful for a lot of my listeners. Even in Brazil, there is a good following. Um, Ireland, Canada, Belgium, just to name a few countries with so many. Uh, share you know, the link in uh, anchor.fm. Also, if you see this on Spotify, give it a like, give it a follow. Give me, give me the best rating that you like. And also, if you have Apple Podcasts, if you absolutely love the show, give it a five-star rating. Uh, with that going on, I appreciate everyone for sticking with me for the past uh, four years, five seasons, 
even though in season four was very short due to COVID. I didn't want to continue season four and ramble on about the same stuff every day. So for those of you, I am Jersey Joe of Heads Up Hockey and a contributor for Pucks and Pitchforks. Have an awesome day and see you possibly next week.